today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The emptiness and meaninglessness of life without the Lord. That is really the, the common thread woven throughout the fabric of the 12 chapters of this book. And what's interesting is that Solomon, who had supernatural wisdom from God, lived a life that was riddled with folly. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. The world is rather offended by the notion that all life outside of God is meaningless and empty. However, as harsh as this statement may seem, it couldn't be any more accurate. As Pastor J.D. will discuss in his teaching today, life without Christ is all but a slow and steady plummet into death. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 with his continuing message called Ignorance Isn't Bliss Forever. We will get to Ecclesiastes, don't lose heart, <laughs> oh ye of little faith. But you know, when this thing first hit, I'm calling it a crisis for, for what I think would be deemed obvious reasons. When this crisis first hit, there were all these reports, in fact I think we talked about them during one of the updates, one or more of the updates, but it was all about, hey, currency carries the coronavirus. <gasps> we, we, you know, stay away from currency. You, you can give it to the church, we'll take it. We still accept cash. <laughs> that was really bad, I'm so sorry, but I think you get the point. But you, you see what they're doing, right? The whole idea is to wean us off currency and cash, and it will usher in this cashless monetary system using technology that exists today. This is not future technology. This is technology that's already in place. And they will track and trace I'm using those words deliberately, every transaction of everyone vis-a-vis an ID, a digital ID, everything and everyone will have a digital ID without which you will not be able to buy food. Right now, and we've talked about this again, you cannot buy without a mask. By the way, on Sunday I want to talk a little bit more, not so much about the mask, but about as Christians <laughs> living in this world, not our home. We've long overstayed our welcome. Would you agree? In this world, not our home. I mean, this world is fast. Even in Hawaii, as beautiful as Hawaii is, with the beaches now closed, <laughs> again, right? I guess so you can go in the water, but you can't go on the beach. So my son was surfing today, so he goes, you know, and he, he goes straight to the water, but you can't, you know, so anyway, I didn't mean to get off on that, but 
So as beautiful as Hawaii is, it's almost like God is making it so that this world is losing its, what's the word I, I'm looking for? It's losing its appeal, its uh, attraction. And it's like God is saying, you know, just, I'm, I'm coming to take you home. I'm coming to take you out of this world. So just let go of it. Don't make me pry your fingers off of it. Remember when our children were young and you're trying to pry their fingers off of it? It's more like this instead of holding on to it, tightly to it. So anyway, I just really believe that everything that we see happening, I mean, I could grocery list all of the scriptures. If you want homework, I'd love to give you homework. Not that I'm a you know college professor or anything. But I mean, this is 1 Thessalonians 5.3. This is Zechariah 12, verses 1 through 3. This is Joel chapter 2, I think, verse 3. This is, um, of course, Daniel 9.27. This is Revelation 13. This is Revelation 17, Revelation 18. And I mean, that's just a partial, not an exhaustive list. It is all of the above. Everything that we're told is going to happen is already beginning to happen. And this is just one more step forward in that direction. It's all heading in the same exact direction. And it's exactly as we were told it would be. This whole thing of a one world religion where all faiths come together. And what's going to usher in this great reset, reboot we've, that we've talked about? It's going to be this coronavirus. It's, it's this orchestrated, even choreographed destruction of our current system to usher in this new Antichrist system. And in so doing, you, you destroy and collapse the economies of the world and the governments of the world. Have you seen what's going on all over the world? I mean, everything is collapsing. Everything is burning. Everyone is protesting. You know this, this going on, right? So you have this, this control, this organized, this choreographed demolition of the existing system, and then you reset with a new governmental system, a new economic system, and you've got this one world economy, this one world government, and this one world religion. You're uniting all the faiths, and you're bringing together all of the world's governments, and it will all be under the control of the Antichrist. One last thing. And then we'll close in prayer. <laughs> no, it's not that. Ooh, we better get going. Don't look at your watches. <laughs> so one last thing. You know, in Bible prophecy, you never see anywhere where the Antichrist sets anything up. Here's the illustration. Electricians will appreciate this. The conduit is already in place, and all the wiring has already been run. And now all the Antichrist has to do when he's revealed, he's already alive and, and even in some regards active on the scene. He has to be. And when he is finally revealed for who he is, seen as the Savior of the world, it's going to save the day. 
All he does is flick the switch. One world government, one world economy, one world religion. And he controls this whole brave new world order, if I can call it that. That should ring some bells. Okay. All right, let's get to our Bible study. Looking forward to the book of Ecclesiastes, which is actually (laughs) a sermon of sorts. And it was preached by King Solomon, specifically as it relates to his hedonistic pursuit of the meaning of life absent the true and living God who alone can fill that empty void in life. That's what the book of Ecclesiastes is all about. It's a very interesting book. Uh, Some suggest it's kind of a complicated book. One of the most complex and difficult to understand, like why is this book in our Bibles? Well, we're going to see why. As we study through this book, (laughs) one thing is going to become abundantly clear, and it's that of the emptiness and meaninglessness of life without the Lord. That is really the, the common thread woven throughout the fabric of the 12 chapters of this book. And what's interesting is that Solomon, who had supernatural wisdom from God, lived a life that was riddled with folly. That's really interesting to me. And I point that out because oftentimes we fall in the areas of our greatest strengths. And the reason is is because we are prone to let our guard down because we think, hey, that's not an issue for me. That's not an area of weakness in my life. This is. So we shore up the areas that we know that we're vulnerable in, that we're weak in, and we let our guard down in the areas that we think we stand strong in. I think about what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Take heed, be careful. (laughs) If you think you stand, lest you fall. Ask Peter about this. What was Peter's strongest characteristic? Was it not his courage? He had the courage when he realized it was the Lord walking on the water in the midst of the storm there in the midst of the Sea of Galilee. He had the courage to say to the Lord, bid me come, and he did, and he's walking on water. That's courage. That's faith. How about when they came to arrest Jesus there in the garden? And what what is what does Peter do? <laughs> Bless his heart. I think Peter gets a lot of bad press. I think a lot of people are going to owe him an apology in heaven, actually. And I'll, I'll be at the front of that line. But uh, he has the courage to take on the entire Roman army. Cuts off the ear of Malchus. And of course, Jesus puts it back on, you know, Peter, basically, what are you doing? This is a spiritual battle, and you're fighting it with carnal weapons? He had the courage to do that, though. And yet, where was it? In what area did Peter fall? He fell in the very area of his greatest strength. 
and didn't have the courage. He faltered and he cowered when asked by this girl, not asked even, basically accused, no, I know you were with him. And he denied the Lord three times. He fell in the area of his greatest strength. And I think that's a takeaway, a lesson really to be learned throughout Scripture. We see it, and certainly that's the case here with Solomon. I want to draw your attention to the last verse here in chapter 1, verse 18, because it speaks to the matter at hand. And it's that when wisdom increases, so too does grief increase. And when knowledge increases, so too does sorrow increase as well. Uh, Doubtless you've heard the saying, probably said it yourself, I know I have many a times, ignorance is bliss. That's true. I mean, think about it. (laughs) If you don't know about it, you're not going to worry about it. I mean, what, what you don't, you don't know what you don't know. I mean, you just live in this blissful state of, you know, but then the more you know, then the more sorrow and the more grief that comes packaged with that. This is where I came up with the title, Ignorance Isn't Bliss Forever. There does come a time where you take your head out of the proverbial sand and realize, wait a minute. And I wanted to start this way because with everything that is going on in the world today, it seems that people are just, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to know it. They turn a blind eye to it, they deafen their ear to it, and they just want to remain (laughs) ignorant about it. But there's the other side to that, and it's for those of us who walk in the knowledge and the wisdom of the Lord. What comes with that is this great sorrow this grief at the fallenness of the world and what's coming upon the world. And that's actually a good thing, and I'll explain. In effect, this is really the theme of the book as it relates to the vanity of life. And I would submit that it's this emptiness of this life that becomes the catalyst for wanting eternal life. Think about what Paul wrote to the Romans. The creation was subjected to this frustration, this this void, this emptiness, this meaninglessness by design. Because If the creation is subjected to that, then it leaves one seeking and searching for meaning, because everything in this world does not satiate that which only God 
can satiate. And that's what this is all about, as we're going to see here now. Let's jump in, verse 1. Really, the introduction, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities. Please don't see this word vanity as, you know, somebody being so vain. No. (laughs) It means emptiness, futility. It's, it's empty, empty, empty. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. By the way, spoiler alert, this is very depressing initially. But when you get to the end of the book, you know, sometimes, you know, people like to read the end of the book to see how it ends. Well, again, this is a spoiler alert. The end of the book, chapter 12. After all of this, the meaninglessness of life, the vanity of life, it's just everything goes on as it has. So depressing. And you get to the very end. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Obey God's commandments. Love God and obey His commandments. That's it? Yeah. Could you just told us that in the first chapter and not put us through all of this? No. You have to go through that. You have to come to that place where you realize that everything in this life is all emptiness. Then you come to that conclusion that it's only God that can fill that void. Verse 3, what profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? I think about that verse in the New Testament, what shall it profit a man? if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. You know, actually, this is a a rhetorical question here in verse 3, but actually this is one of those questions that answers itself. Here's how I get there. What profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun, S-U-N? That's the answer. If all of your labor is for profit, All of your toil is under the sun, S-U-N. That's the problem. However, if it's under the sun, S-O-N, no problem. Then it has meaning. It has purpose. There is profit for all eternity. Verse 4, one generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. The sun also rises, verse 5, and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it arose. The wind goes toward the south and turns around to the north. The wind whirls about continually and comes again on its circuit. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full to the place from which the rivers come. There they return again. This is speaking to how life is so cyclical. It's just a cycle. One generation comes, one generation goes. New generation comes, that generation goes. Here comes the other generation. Sure enough, just like the sun is going to rise and set, and it's going to hurry back. (laughs) I like the imagery. It's going to rise again. It's going to set again. It's just a cycle. 
The rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. I like that imagery too. Again, it speaks to just the emptiness of life. And even with how cyclical life is, it just is almost this mundane, routine emptiness with meaninglessness. Verse 8, all things are full of labor. Man cannot express it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. This is basically saying it's never enough. I forget who, who it was, but this very wealthy man who had just untold riches was asked the question of how much is enough, to which he answered just a little bit more. There's never a satisfying. And again, that's by design. It, it's been subjected to this frustration where enough is never enough because it leaves you still wanting, still seeking, still searching. I think about the lady at the well and she meets the Savior of the world and he says to her, you're going to continue to thirst when you drink from this water, but if you drink of the water that I have to offer, you will never thirst again. In other words, the water that I have, in the spiritual sense, will satiate that thirst in your soul. And again, it's a catalyst, a deliberate subjecting to this that makes you want the one, the only one that can satisfy that in your life. Verse 8, oh we already did verse 8, verse 9. That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. <laughs> and there is nothing new under the sun. That's a saying, right? Nothing new under the sun. That's where it came from. I think we'd all be shocked if we really knew how many sayings actually originated from Scripture. That's one of them. Verse 10, is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new. <laughs> it has already been in ancient times before us. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D., one of the biggest lessons we learn from Ecclesiastes is this. You can have everything the world has to offer. The money, the most desirable job, the perfect family. But at the end of the day, none of those things truly matter. The only lasting thing that matters is who you put your hope in. All the riches in the world will never bring you the happiness you seek. Only Jesus can give you that. So seek Him. Maybe today you're hearing about Jesus for the first time. If that's the case, we have a resource we'd like to point you to. Visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on the ABCs of Salvation. 
This will give you the basics of what it means to be a Christian and why it's so important to give your life to Jesus. If you have any questions, please connect with us by clicking on Contact under About. Or come visit us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. All the information you need is at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. You can hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings from many books of the Bible at our website, too. Or download our mobile app to listen wherever you are, whenever you want. We'd also like to invite you to check out Pastor J.D.'s weekend update, the Mid-East Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible. You'll find these updates on our mobile app as well as on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for In Spirit and Truth.